CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store. Welcome to the CoinWorld Podcast with your host, Jeff Stark. As I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks. And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coin World Podcast. We're so glad you chose to join us here today. I'm Larry Jewett. And I'm Jeff Stark. And we are so excited to get to talk about all the news that's happening in the numismatic space this week. Isn't that right, Larry? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things, it's not news any longer, but it's just that, uh, you know, we go through these situations where we try to do some things and make some progress. And unfortunately, technology does what it does. I mean, when we went through the great Facebook outage about a week or so ago on Monday, and everybody had to talk to each other and uh, find out through the telephone or other ways like that. But, you know, it just the Facebook outage came at the tail end of a more important outage for me because I do a lot of my buying through an auction platform, through different auction houses that are out there. And so I had my sights set on spending the weekend doing some coin buying, and I was mm. stymied because a cyber attack shut down the high bid platform. And that's where a lot of the companies are, and a lot of the smaller companies utilize that. And so I saw there were some opportunities right before me here, and then technology took them away from me. And it's just like, ah, the aggravation. I mean, it's one thing to be outbid on something. It's one thing to come to the last minute on a timed auction like this and get outbid. But it's another thing when you can't even bid. I can't tell you how many times over the weekend I checked to see if the site was back up. I checked to find out if I could get in there and get my bid. I checked to find out if I could, no, to no avail. Fortunately, I was able to get something through eBay. So, I mean, it's just like the (laughs) idea that technology had stymied me and then have Facebook happen like that. And I just thought, was October 4th the end of the world as we know it? But Facebook came back for the most part and uh, life was good again. But it's just like the idea, the understanding is that how much it's impacted, our lives are impacted. And we're thankful that you're probably listening to us by way of a social media program or a technology program. But we're thankful for that. But I mean, it's also an understanding too that you really like to have items in your hand to know what they're worth. And that's why, thanks to our friends at CoinWorld Plus, our latest sponsor here, the idea that your collection can have that very dynamic taken care of just with the CoinWorld tag, that you can learn more about it at CoinWorld Plus. And so we invite you to do just that. But hopefully, uh, you'll all be able to spend this weekend after listening to the uh, activities and, and participating in the uh, Newman Numismatic Portals Symposium coming up, that I'll be able to uh, reinstill that fire to get back out there and buy some of these things that I need for my collection. So that's just, uh, I mean, it's a rant. I get that. We started off with a rant right here, but uh, I just get the idea that, you know, when he, something comes along, the best laid plans get knocked out, I get get off kilter. So hopefully you've had a better better experience here lately. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I haven't really added anything numismatically lately other than some books. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I, I have some stuff in route that has not arrived yet, but I'm looking forward to it for sure. I, I don't want to jinx it. This is there, There's a dealer out there who takes, he posts a list, right? And you pull all the stuff that you're interested in and you respond by email and you find out when it arrives, what all you get from what he had. So it's, you know, mm. it's, yeah. So it, it's kind of like, you don't know what you're going to end up with. In a lot of ways, too, there is some element of this, too. When you buy something, you're looking at the pictures. And when the material arrives, you're, you're hopeful that it is close to what was pictured on the site. And for the most part, it's been a good experience. But there's there's that risk as well. So, I mean, I understand that when you make these transactions, you, when you walk into a brick and mortar, you know what you're getting. You see it right there. You decide yes or no. You pick it up, walk out, whatever the case may be. But in the times that we have here, in addition to the problems that can crop up because of technology, it's just the idea that some of the practices may not be the ideal situation, but nonetheless, you know, if you're in the mindset that some acquisition is better than no acquisition, then there's that side of it too. It speaks to the way the market has changed uh, over the last few years, 10 years particularly. And in some ways, there are still folks who are playing by the old rules or, or doing it the old way. Um, and actually, one of the things we wanted to talk about was about that and based on a, a question that or a conversation that I had with somebody, this dealer doesn't image the stuff and there's everything from dollar to thousand dollar items on his price list. Um, although there's not that much over a hundred bucks, you know, there's, there's a, there's a few dozen pieces, you know, maybe four dozen, I don't know, you know, on a, on a big list uh, that are a little pricier and, you know, that's how it used to be done. I mean, Coin World used to be filled back in the day, 30, 40, 50 years ago, page after page after page of listing ads. You know, these ads just were a list of what was available and, and the dealer's grading of it and then the price. And it was was and still is customary in many cases when, when a dealer does business that way that dealers will accept a return, you know, if they, you know, they just send stuff out uh, to the buyer on memo, you know, you, um, but a lot of dealer, I mean, you have to, you have to clarify that before you play the game, you know, you have to figure out the rules before you get in there on the field because some dealers it's, nope, you, you bought it and kind of, you break it, you bought it. There's no, <laughs> there's no repercussion there. There's no, um, way to to go back on that if you get it and you go oh that really doesn't look like you know the, the dealer said it's about uncirculated and i think it's extremely fine you know or whatever so you got to know what the rules are so you can play the game right and and that is you know you think about how much the market has changed there's so many folks who communicate with the customers directly uh, and instead of using somebody like a coin world or, you know, some of the other platforms, well, small dealers can have e-commerce sites 
relatively easily. They can sell stuff online, whether that's at auction through eBay or whether they're, I mean, there's, there's several folks using social media to, to great effect. So it's, it's just, it's interesting that there are still some holdouts, still some folks who are doing it the quote unquote old way. And there are certainly some buyers who like that or, you know, there are folks who are never going to hear this podcast, maybe, because they don't embrace that technology. And, and that's mm-hmm. fine. The The hobby has a place for them as well. I mean, I've talked to a, a dealer of modern mint issues, and they still have people that call by phone and send in checks. And, you know, they're happy to serve that client, uh, that client base, that co- those customers that want to buy coins that way. But they're certainly glad to sell stuff on eBay and glad to, you know, whatever the venue may be, use that to, to reach the customer and, and serve them. So the obligatory big tent hobby statement, you know, this, that works on the dealer side too. There are a lot of folks doing it a lot of different ways. If you can't make your business model work, then you're not going to last in business. And um, so naturally that's sort of a, um, a limiting factor. Yep. You, you mentioned changes. And it's interesting that you choose that particular word talking about changes in the hobby in the last five, 10 years. Change is what's going to be an important factor in the latest issue of Coin World. We invite you to check that out and also on coinworld.com because as we're talking about changes, you know, we had the new Washington Crossing the Delaware quarter dollar come out at the end of the latest program. And we knew that change was coming for the quarter dollar beginning in 2022. Well, they've made the announcement on what those designs are going to be. And we have those images and uh, we have those drawings in the latest coin world. But they've also announced the 2022 American Innovation Dollars, which uh, that changes every year with four new issues. So those are some of the uh, key news items right there. I think some of the ideas, I mean, when I think of American Innovation the last thing I may think about, and no no disrespect intended for Vermont, but I mean, snowboarding is not necessarily what I would consider an innovation. Just like some of the previous ones, I didn't necessarily think that that was reflective of the innovation. But uh, snowboarding is featured on the uh, Vermont American Innovation Dollar Bluegrass music is going to be the theme of the Tennessee coin, and we invite you to take a look at the uh, at the magazine, at the website, and see these. But uh, more interestingly, I think, would be the quarter dollar program. Now, of course, you know, I got interested with the state quarter program and then continued that interest in the national park program, which I'm still trying to fill those folders, so I'm still looking, but I don't know how many times. I'm going to continue to get Illinois quarters with a P mint mark that I don't need, but I'm still going to keep trying. I'm still going to keep looking, but until I fill that book up, but now we're going to have five new designs. It just seems like, I don't know that this is necessarily going to kickstart the hobby like the state quarter program did, but I think it's going to be interesting and it's going to be always kind of neat to see something new pop up in your change. Well, I think for as much as I support the program and like some of the designs, both from an artistic standpoint and a thematic standpoint, the thing that helped propel the state quarter program into the national conscience was the widespread availability and circulation 
And, you know, that involved a coordinated effort with the Federal Reserve and with banks. And banks had customers asking for them. And so they, besieged by those requests, they pivoted to uh, react quickly and, and act to serve the customers. And I don't know that we exist in a customer service space and a coinage surplus space uh, that either of those two factors can uh, help create the momentum that this series needs to have widespread reach. I would love it if it did have reach and, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's there's five, I think it is five women quarters coming next year, Anna Mae Wong and Maya Angelou and Sally Ride and uh, Wilma Mankiller and a, a, another person, somebody Otero. Anyway, I, the story so details all this thing. You know, I, I love that half of the population is getting some representation in coinage. I mean, you know, I can think of the Helen Keller 25 cent coin from that um, Alabama state quarter, you know, years ago. There, the, the number of depictions of named identifiable females is, is very small on our, our money. And, you know, that's uh, certainly a, a, a good portion of the population. A nation as great as ours and with such a storied history with the contributions, contributions, uh, contributors from all walks of life and areas uh, across the pantheon and the passage of time, we need more folks of note to, uh, no pun intended, to appear on our money. And it's nice that uh, we're seeing some of those changes. You can quibble about, does this design look right? I mean, I know there was, there's been a discussion about the, uh, I think it's the Wyoming quarter with that. I love the design personally. I think that is simple, not simplistic, but it's simple and it's clean and sleek and, and it evokes that Western, you know, Bronco rider, the mythological West, the folks who were important in settling it. Uh, but, you know, we've often told ourselves stories around those, uh, like Buffalo Bill was an actor. He wasn't a real Western guy, but anyway, you know, a real hero of the West. He wasn't somebody out there cutting, you know, cutting rope cattle, roping the range as it were, but he played one on TV or at least the, the contemporary uh, example of that. So I love that the designs are out there. Uh, you know, I, I do think the innovation program is one that I'm late to the table with. I mean, I've, I've not gotten any of them yet and I should because there's some interesting designs and it's, it's a, a very small, I won't say investment because I don't expect to get my money back, but it's a very small ask to put together a set of those uh, every year, put them, break them out of a, a U.S. Mint set or buy the singles and put them in a, a you know, dance go or one of those similar type uh, albums or a folder. I like the albums better, a little, you know, more presentable and, and, you know, you can pull that out and enjoy, look at the design and enjoy the design and think about that. That's not a pursuit. That's, that's something you buy. That's not something you collect in the sense of you're, you're collecting quarters from circulation. I can't collect the innovation dollars from circulation. So uh, that's, that's one reason long-term that, you know, the program is, is going to be a sleeper because most people aren't, aren't going to buy it just because it's, 
you know, it's it's a contrived rarity, if you will, although they can hardly be called rare. So yeah, yeah, and uh, it's getting back to the American women quarters, and uh, just serve as a reminder that we do have a trivia question concerning women. That's going to be coming up a little bit later on in the program and the presence of women in a numismatic field right there. But one other topic I want to get into before we go back into the into the past, into the coin world history and into the numismatic history, was the amount of news that was circulating concerning this mythical, I call it mythical because it doesn't exist, trillion dollar coin. I want to get your take on what this, uh, the idea of minting a trillion dollar coin, to me, it's just unfathomable. Well, sure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of discussion about it, uh, chatter in the you know, online space, social media space, different different things, and that's all it is that, that has ever developed in a meaningful way. I mean, you you think about this is the I think third time a trillion dollar coin has been floated or discussed as a quote unquote solution to uh, government financing and, and all that. I don't know her title, but the um, president's press secretary or whatever, Jen Psaki, uh, was quoted as saying, basically, you know, we've looked into it and we're not doing that. That, sh- to me, puts the issue to bed. I mean, I know politicians of all stripes, uh, regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, politicians uh, make a living by lying, but I don't anticipate that uh, anything will change regarding this trillion-dollar coin anytime soon. It certainly would be something that would be unique, <laughs> and I'm not going to rush out and, and try to get an album with a spot for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think it's legislatively there's there's some reality to this idea that, hey, the Treasury Secretary does have some authority because Congress has granted this and the law doesn't limit, the law did not specify a denomination to be used, so they could use that denomination. But, you know, one thing that people sort of overlook in all this is the Mint makes coins for its constituents. Who are its constituents? Well, uh, you and I, the collector, uh, if you're listening, perhaps you, uh, Larry has certainly bought from the Mint. I've bought from the Mint. That's one base. But the other base is the citizen that uses coins in circulation. But for the most part, the Mint doesn't offer those coins directly. They go through an intermediary. Well, who, who or what is the intermediary? That's the Federal Reserve Bank system. And so... The mint strikes coins that are ordered from the Federal Reserve. And nowhere in this discussion was that mentioned that I saw. Now, there's a lot of chatter out there. I could have missed some of it. But I guess the Treasury could order from the mint, but that would make a, that would mark a departure from recent practice. So, you know, I, and I don't see the Fed ordering from the mint because isn't that part of the issue that there's too much money coming from the fed and so this is a way to soak up the money it you know it some of this is i'm, I'm not an economics major uh, i don't even play one on tv it's uh, it's fascinating you know whether you read hayek or Sowell or you know any of the the thinkers of uh, in economics and and to better understand how this works 
at the end of the day, it's always seemed to me as a non-starter and a, a desperate grasp at a, a quick fix, which, gee, when would American politicians go for a quick fix as much as possible? But uh, instead of doing the hard job of you know legislating and actually coming to an agreement over something and, and not playing politics. So this idea of a trillion dollar coin, it, it always has struck me as sort of fanciful and and uh, outlandish, but um, it certainly has at least, you know, there's, there's been some discussions about it. Uh, I don't think we're going to see it though. Yeah. And that's just the thing. When somebody finds out you're interested in coins, invariably it ends up being a topic of conversation because they've heard about it, seen about it on the news, not something they paid a lot of attention to. And they think that uh, because you know a little bit about coins, you might know what's going on here. And that's fair, but uh, no, the idea is again, as I put it, outlandish. So I'd rather move now to the discussion of things that are real. And that would be uh, going back into taking a look at the calendar because there were quite a few historic events that have occurred in the month of October that we've found that deal with numismatics. And I'm sure that your research has come up with something that we can find interesting for today's episode as well. There's so many things I want to talk about based on this week in numismatic history that I'm really having trouble narrowing it down. So maybe I might just do two of them. Okay, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go ahead and do those two. And then next episode, we're going to say last week in numismatic history. What about that? No. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So it was October 10th, 1978. We're staying recent history. When then President Jimmy Carter signed legislation creating the Anthony Small Size Dollar Coin. So we're talking about dollar coins today. And, you know, a recent dollar coin, recent I'm in quotation since that was 43 years ago, but, you know, hey, in the last 50 years, that's recent. After that, it's antique, right? <laughs> you know, although I, I've seen antique is 75 to 100 years or older, uh, and I saw somebody asking for that definition to be bent but to 50 years. But anyway, uh, you know, 43 years ago, we had legislation that led to the creation of the much maligned and oft sidelined, I should say, uh, Anthony Dollar, because my gosh, they um, they came out to much fanfare. And then within two years, the mintage just plummeted and they sat in vaults and vaults and vaults until the late 90s. And finally, there was enough demand uh, that they started making some more And that. You know, at the same time, we had the discussion of the uh, Sacagawea dollar that came out in 2000. And, and boy, it's a much different landscape the last 20, 21 years uh, for dollar coin collectors. So that was, that was a big thing uh, back then. I also found it fun, just as a side note, on October 11th, 1934, that the Smithsonian Institution acknowledged receipt of two 1933 St. Gaudens gold $20 double eagles, We've talked about that coin a few times before. <laughs> it's, not, it's not so worth a trillion just, dollars. It's worth $18.87 million. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, or round up, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, $19 yeah. million. Dollars. And, uh, and so that's, that's fun that uh, there's a little, a, a very, very minor, I would say, minor note to that story happened this week in numismatic history. 
That's awesome to have that because, yeah, that falls right in that time frame when they ended up there. And uh, the Smithsonian collection is hopefully going to be a topic that we come uh, come about to in the near future. So uh, you went back a few years, back in the 30s, back in the 70s. But I just want to take it back just a couple years now because Coin World's been around for a little over 60 years now. We've done a lot of things. We've talked a lot about the 80s, 90s. We did mention 2012 last week, but kind of like to go back just a couple of years because some of these things that uh, we were covering, say, 2019, may still be uh, resonating with our listeners. So what do you have for this week in coin world history a couple of years ago? Random number generator came up with 2019. And if you look in the October 14th issue, this is one of the things I think that provides in one of the reasons or ways that coin world provides value. Uh, because we do cover proposed designs. And it wasn't on the cover, but on page six, we have Paul Joke's great story about the proposed designs for the 2020 American Innovation Dollars. And it's nice to, you know, for all the people complaining, uh, and there's always complaints. I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining about it, but there's, there's always folks who are going to take issue with the design as it appears on a struck coin, for sure. Um, you know, you can't please everyone. Totally get it. But for all of those folks who might look at a struck object and go, well, why didn't they do this? Or why is this on there and not that? Well, you know, we cover the design process and have for years longer than I've been on staff. And Paul is usually the point person. If the Commission of Fine Arts or the Citizens Coinage Advisory Committee review some designs, uh, we'll often show them as many as we can, and certainly um, we get those images and and show them. I mean, there were there were some issues in during my tenure where we'd have you know twenty issues on a page and a couple pages because they were reviewing so many designs. It's really a neat snapshot at history that that's all lost. I mean, you know, once the coin comes out. That's what makes it in the book. That's that's what you see in the album. You don't see the what could have been. And sometimes, you know, it's it's fun to look back and go, hmm, that, that would have been neat to maybe to see on the actual coin instead of what was chosen. So that's what I picked out. And it happened to dovetail nicely with the dollar coin stories. Yeah, it's always great. I mean, I love seeing the outtakes. I mean, I love watching the movies to the end where they have the outtakes or the TV shows where they'll show the outtakes and understanding that the design process, not everything gets accepted. And there are some good designs that just don't quite make it for whatever the reason may be. And in fact, uh, there is an upcoming presentation I know about designs that didn't make it, the ones that ended up on the cutting room floor. And uh, I'll be reporting back on that once I uh, go through that presentation. But in the letters, uh, it talked about designs in some ways in one of the top letters. And the letter dealt with the fact that uh, Canada, the Royal Canadian Mint, was issuing a multitude of colorized coins, including one for the 2019 D-Day coin. And uh, this letter says, color has no place here. We talked Canadian coins last week, too, about the uh, centennial coins and the use of color in Canada. So this letter does kind of hold some resonance here. The letter says, The U.S. Mint is currently considering the use of color in its offerings. My take? Never. But I'm old school. 
The classic coin offerings of the past and their legacies will never be replaced. Just note their values today. Theodore Roosevelt was the forerunner of the innovative coin designs by inviting the greatest designers of their day to step forward to display their wares. Let's now keep this legacy in mind. And planning to colorize coins today is not keeping in with this philosophy. Just look at the proliferation of Canadian colorized and weird-shaped specimens offered to the public today, available without government authorization, which is contrary to what the U.S. now requires, which is congressional approval of all new designs. A Pandora's box of offerings has now been opened in Canada and elsewhere worldwide. Let's not follow suit. Recent U.S. Mint limited offerings of reverse-proof, enhanced, uncirculated, and even concave convex surfaces is a good thing numismatically. But adding color does nothing more than offer a self-promotion of new coins to attract younger and possibly new collectors. Just stop it. And grading a colorized coin? Impossible. And the future of possibly toned colorized coins? Non-existent. Let's stop this idea of colorized coins now. Letter from Dave Sperry, Sacramento, California. Obviously predates the basketball coins. But that was his take. I mean, I fail to see where it's, uh, he was talking about the uh, weird shapes. I fail to see, fail to see why that's, uh, you know, anything unusual. I like looking at the scalloped edge coins that come from some of the island nations, things like that. The idea is the new coins to attract younger and possibly new collectors. I fail to see where that's an issue. So I yeah, take why, why uh, issue a, with a few things he has. Yeah, well, I, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, well, he admitted he's old school. But, uh, you know, the school has to have some population in it, too. So uh, no disrespect intended to Mr. Sperry, but I don't agree with what he had yes. to say on that. If you're listening, Mr. Sperry, you may be old school, but please let's not go back to a one-room schoolhouse. Factually, he's wrong, at least on one count. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you can get into opinion-wise. I think it's great that we get new blood into the hobby and, and get people excited about the possibilities. And you can question whether the U.S. needs colorized coins in circulation or not. The basketball coin was not for circulation. Canada does a lot of stuff in circulation with color. That being said, they are all approved. Those those by the government. The Canadian coins are approved by the government. The Royal Canadian Mint does not strike anything for Canada that's not approved by the government of Canada. Um, you know, if it has the denomination and the nation's name on it, it's a coin. Uh, they do some medals and they've done some medals for the governor general. They've done medals for fundraising and other things. Uh, those have various levels of approval that need to be met as well. But it, it would be wrong to say that because the Royal Canadian Mint struck a medal that it uh, is, you know, a national medal. It's not necessarily, uh, but for sure, the coins have received approval. So uh, again, you're welcome to your opinions, uh, but you're not welcome to your own facts. And and the fact is that point at least is, is uh, I will, I will quibble on that a little bit. So uh, this discussion, we could, we could go on for hours. We've talked about colorized coins uh, circulating and otherwise. Uh, I just got my examples of the uh, Canadian mince insulin I think it's a dollar or two dollars. Uh, insulin coin, and and there's plain and colorful ones. I've added those to my collection, so it certainly is something 
that gets people's attention in Canada and I think um, they're in Australia, as we've talked about with a previous guest. All right. Well, I think it's time for me to, uh, I, I know I'm going to come up a little short on this. So let's get into the trivia section here and uh, while I'm watching it rain out there. So let's go ahead and get the trivia underway. All right. So last week I asked you, because of the um, Barbara Howard interview and Women on 20s, you know, it'd be great to get a, another woman on uh, American Money, but we have had at least one issue show a real live person, an identifiable woman on American Paper Money. So I wanted to know what was the banknote issue and who is the person depicted? Well, wouldn't you know it, it'd be the time when I'm in transition here and I don't have it yet. So I couldn't really uh, kind of cheat and uh, refer to it. The Paper Money of the United States, the 22nd edition, just came out and it's in transit. So I couldn't thumb through the pages there because they've got all the notes in there. I don't know if you, you're looking for somebody you can identify by name, but I've got to believe that there were uh, some notes sometime that, and I don't know if they even qualify for it, but there had to be some notes that was like a school teacher on it or, or some kind of vignette that had like a, a, you know, somebody waiting on a ship or something. So, I mean, I'm totally clueless on this one. If somebody knows, congratulations. But, you know, that's the best guess I got for today. I'm going to go ahead and take my, hang my, uh, you know, albatross and go from there. So, you know, you're right to acknowledge that there are varied paper money designs in the past. But I think the way I phrased the question uh, omits those possibilities for two reasons. One of which being, you know, they're not somebody that has a name that's identifiable, like, you know, it'd be one thing if a note showed the lady who sewed the flag, supposedly, right? Yep. Um, but many of those notes just show vignettes, representational imagery. And, you know, I was looking for a real live person on American money. And that last qualifier omits many of the obsolete notes to which you are you are likely referring because there are many notes that show women i believe but they were obsolete notes and it's oftentimes it's just a a, a liberty figure a, a lady liberty figure very much akin to the liberty that was appearing on our coins at the time Sometimes there's, you know, other, as you know, I mean, there's, shoot, there's, there's notes with slaves and some of them are female. There's notes with, with all manner of personalities, but I was referring specifically to the series 1891 $1 silver certificate, which features the other Washington. George appears on the $1 note. Martha appeared on the $1 silver certificate. This shows her on the left side of the note. It's the large size note. And collectors often refer to this as the Martha or the 1891 Martha. Uh, 1886, I guess. Um, 1886 was the first one of that series. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, 1886, 1891 are, are when Martha appeared on the note. So that's the question. That's what we're going for this time. And um, was that surprise you? Is that? Um... Oh, it's a pretty logical, uh, logical assumption. And I think I had at one time heard about that back in the beginning. But uh, you know, the idea that it makes sense to have somebody of that stature 
uh, along the line right there. So I'm going to take my zero here, but I'm going to ask you now to give me another chance. So okay. give me something where I might have a shot here. Give me one more shot. I'll give it all I got. Show me the way. Right? Little Alabama yep. for you. Have this, this week. So uh, we're talking about trillion dollar money and all that. Let's go back and discuss what are the highest denominations, paper money and coin issued by the U.S. federal government. Uh, these did not do not have to be something you could have found in circulation at one point. So, you know, that helps winnow it down or maybe open it up in, in some respects. What's the highest denomination coin? What's the highest denomination paper money issue? And um, we will have this is I'd say this is, you know, a, a beginner level or, you know, a fairly newer collector uh, it's a question I think a lot of people have that, you know, even aren't collectors. They just go, you know, what's the highest dollar I can get? You know, I got a Ben Franklin on 100. Is there anything bigger than that? Have they had anything bigger than that? Well, you know, and and a dollar is the highest coin in circulation I, I can find. Even, you know, really quarters about the one you're mostly going to find. Uh, it's harder and harder to find the dollar coins and when was the last time you found a half dollar? I, you know, I've used a few this year. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. So that's the question. Another two-parter, and uh, we'll have the answer next week. Oh, wow. Okay. Just in time, because I'm getting a thunder uh, boom right now. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to have power where I'm sitting right now. So once again, want to thank the fine folks at CoinWorld Plus for helping us out. For this episode, we appreciate you listening in, and we welcome your comments as well. So please send them out to us. And we're going to wrap this up right now, but uh, hopefully you're going to be able to continue this journey that we're having so much enjoyment out of. In the meantime, we invite you to keep listening and happy collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. CoinWorld Plus is your new way to collect. Manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinWorld Plus at CoinWorldPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.